Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. This is the last week of our getting legged up for a fantastic future. So we've been talking about the life of Abraham. What the, the, the premise behind this, this series is that God has a fantastic future planned for you, but you know what? You, you, there's some stuff that you need to do to be prepared for it. For example, let, let, let me give you an example. Anybody, if you've never ridden a horse, you can come out to the ranch. I can put you on Ace, or we can put you on Wyatt, or, 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 or one of these good old steady horses, and you can get on the other side of the, of the church's cattle and push them towards the pen, and you're going to gather cattle, okay? Not that big of a deal. A first-time rider can do it. But if one of those new ones that we got in does what I think she's going to do, she's going to go over two fences and hightail it out of the country. If it's your first time riding, you're not going to have the skill set to go get her, okay? It, 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 takes, it, it takes a cowboy. He's no better than anybody else. He has just prepared for that eventuality, okay? God wants your skill set to be amazing, God wants to be able to use you in the future. But if you just sit around and wait for him, he wants you to start getting prepared right now. He wants you to start getting legged up. Uh, in the first series, step one was that we have to step outside of our comfort zones. If you, were, if you just stay in your comfort zones all the time, you're not going to be prepared because I guarantee you what God has planned for you is going to be scary. So you kind of got used to, you, you, you kind of got to get used to that, right? You got to step outside of your comfort zones. Uh, uh, step two was we, we got to learn to step aside. We got to learn to, to take that pride that, that every single one of us have and, and just kind of put other people in front of us because when we, when we put others in front of us, you know what God does? He blesses us. He blesses us. And then last week we talked about how we have to step in to the battle. You're, you're, you are not called to be a spectator in the arena of life. You are not called to sit up there and, and judge the judges and, well, that was, that, he rode better than that. And, no, he's called you to do something. And you will never experience the future that God has for you if you, number one, remain in your comfort zone. Number two, if you think that your way is the right way. And number three, if you don't step into the arena and get your hands dirty, get your feet dirty, put yourself out there a little bit, you're never going to experience that. And then today, we will finish up with step four. Whenever I was, whenever I was born... We had a ranch in Kainosa, Texas, which is uh, kind of below New Mexico, way out there in, in, in real Texas, as I like to call it. And um, 42 sections worth of ground that my dad had fully stocked with cattle. Plans the rest of our life to live out there. And whenever I was two years old, two years later, he gets a call from my great-grandmother, his grandmother, who technically owned the ranch. It had been passed verbally, but never on paper. He got a call, and she said, meet me in town for lunch. He goes, okay. So he, 24 years old, 42-section ranch, life is good. He meets my great-grandmother at town at the steakhouse. 
She buys his lunch and tells him she sold the ranch. He's got two weeks to get off. So he goes to the bank, finds out what she got for it. He goes to the bank, and back then you could do this. He walked in and got 25 cents more an acre and walked back with a check and handed her the check. She took one look at the check and tore it up. She said, you'll waste your life being a cowboy. The ranch consisted of 42 sections of ranch land and three sections of farmland. All we have left to this day are three sections of farmland. Well, I was two years old. I don't remember living on the ranch part. I've seen some pictures out there and, you know, stuff like that. But I don't really remember living on the ranch part. And so at two years old, my dad went into law enforcement. And I'll fast forward about 18 About 18 years later, we both had the opportunity to move back to the ranch, which that's what we call the farm. It used to be the farm. Now it's the ranch. We still had the big house and all that. And so we had the opportunity to move back to the home place. And I had already been working on the San Pedro ranch. I'd already worked on the Rocker B ranch. And now I was going to go cowboy for the prison system. I was going to ride a horse and work inmates and outside and carry a gun and all of that stuff. And so God lit a fire within me. I was going back to to my roots. Even though I don't ever remember being there, it's where my dad was raised. And I had this big, big dream of living in Kainosa. And I got married and it lasted six months, literally. It literally lasted six months and she left me. And then, you know, I moved away from Kainosa and I spent some years just use your imagination And I talked to my grandmother who raised six kids by herself on a 42-section ranch because my granddad was an alcoholic. He was always off sleeping with other people and drunk all the time and blah, blah, blah. I asked my grandmother, one of the most important people in my life, I said, Granna, that's what I call her, Granna. I said, Granna, how, how come my marriage failed? She said, honey, you just need to find you a woman that wants to live in Kainosa. I was like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, this is in the middle of nowhere, right? So, I was living in Midland, Texas. Went to a Blake Shelton, or was it Blake? I don't remember who it was now. It doesn't matter. I went to an outdoor concert, and my next door neighbor from Kainosa, the guy that had the ranch right next to ours, he showed up, and he brought his wife's friend. Her name was Christy. And I met her, and she's cute. I'd been working out. I looked pretty good. You know what I mean? I said, hi, Christy. My name's Kevin. I said, where do you live? She goes, I just moved to Kainosa. Really? (laughs) Really? (laughs) Woo! Party on! (laughs) I married that girl. I did. I married her. And you know what my dream was? To raise our kids on that ranch, the the life that I never got to really do. I wanted to to raise my kids on the family place. I had dreams. I had aspirations. And then God called me to be a preacher. And I left a job so that I could be closer to the church. Left a good-paying job. Took a job with half the salary. And I worked that job for about four months, and it went under. Well, our location went under. And before you know it, I prayed, and I was like, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And they moved me back to Odessa. That's why I'd quit the first job in the first place, because I didn't want to have to drive to Odessa. And to make a long story short, I got to work 
from the church with the job that I had, and the old job called me back and said, hey, you want to go back to work for us? We'll give you a truck, and we're going to send a plane to pick you up every week. Really? Personal plane? <laughs> I'm hot dog now. And then my wife, God bless her soul, she said, let's move to Colorado. I said, <laughs> look at me. You think I can survive Colorado? I get cold when it's below 81. We got our ranch living my dream. And she said, well, I'm going to pray that God opens a door for you in Colorado because I know that's the only way you'll go. And I was in Grand Junction, Colorado when she told me that. And the next day I was sitting at DIA and my cell phone rings. And a guy says, is this Kevin Weatherby? I said, yeah. He goes, you a preacher down there in Texas? I said, yeah. He said, God told me to pick up the phone right now and tell you that you're supposed to start a cowboy church in Elbert County, Colorado. I said, did my wife put you up to this? So anyway, I talked to him for a little while, and I had a choice to make, because I knew what God was asking me to do. I didn't know a single one of you. I didn't know any of you on live stream. I didn't know any of you on the radio, but I had a calling from God. And so after a lot of prayer and soul searching, of losing the ranch and getting the ranch back, and now he's calling me back away. I mean, I, I had built my entire life making over a hundred, like $130,000 a year with two full well, three full-time jobs, a pastor, and then two other full-time jobs, benefits, 401ks, bonuses. Oh my gosh, it was great, right? I thought I had it made. And God said, would you give all that up to follow me? Would you give it all up? So I stepped up to the sacrificial altar and I placed my dreams on it. Fast forward a little while and I'm driving through a little town called Kiowa, Colorado and I had started a cowboy gathering. There was about 100 people at the time coming. Everything was going pretty good. It was, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And something was going on at the arena. This is about five years ago. There was something going on at the arena. And I asked somebody, I said, what's happening up at the arena? And they said, it's a, it's a big loop roping. I said, what's a big loop roping? And he said, oh, they, you know, they kind of go in there and they throw these real fancy shots with these big loops and everything. I was like, Shh, I don't need all them fancy lists. Texas Cowboy just ride up there tied on hard and fast, baby, rope them. Don't need all that fancy stuff. Hmm. And then I met this kid from Montana. He needed my help in so many ways. <laughs> and he taught me about big loop roping, showed me what it was about. And, and I decided, you know what? Do, do I learn what another cowboy has to offer? Or do I just stick to my guns, stick to my roots, stick to my pride, man, tied on hard and fast? Don't need all that, man. You chase them down, jerk them down, whatever you have to do. And they offered another way. I'll never forget the day I posted a picture of my new Wade saddle with the mule hide on the horn. I got clowned so much by my buddies in Texas. Oh, you got your flat hat on now. And you know, blah, 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 blah. You can just imagine. But I had stepped up to the sacrificial altar and placed my identity right on it. Fast forward a few years. My little girl, the joy of my life, is graduating from high school. She's going to go off to college. She's going to be a millionaire. Still hoping for that, Riley. Because I'm not going to be. My son was fixing to go into high school. Now, I am Riley and Griffin's daddy, but I am not their biological father. But I raised them like they were my own. 
when I met my, the love of my life, she had two kids already. So I instantly, I didn't have to go through that pregnant stuff or anything. I had two kids right from the start. It has its benefits. Don't get me wrong, man. It's got its benefits. I only had to change one set of diapers. Boy, were they bad. Whew, that boy still stinks. Anyway, uh, he's a teenager now, so y'all understand that. And so anyway, uh, he was fixing to go to high school. And you know what I was looking forward to? I was looking forward to them high school years with my son. I, I, I was going to cherish them just as much as I cherished those years with my daughter. But then he was going to be gone. He's going to move out. I didn't kick him out. Get out. Get out of here. And guess what I was going to have? I was going to have my wife all to myself for the first time in my life, baby. Woo, he's going to travel. We're going to have some fun, do some stuff. We, it wasn't going to be a big ordeal to go out to eat. It was going to be great. I mean, I was like, I had it on the, I had it on the you know, countdown on the wall about a clock, you know. T minus five years and counting. 364 days, 363 days. I love my kids. Don't get me wrong. But I was looking forward to that. And then my wife showed up with another prayer. She said, guess what? I said, what? She said, God's telling me that we're supposed to adopt. I was like, let's do it. She's like, really? I said, yeah. There's 17-year-olds that need adopting. <laughs> we'll do two or three of them. I'm all for this. Let's do it. She said, I don't think it's going to be exactly like that. What do you mean it's not going to be? Well, what do you mean? <laughs> She brings me a picture of this blind kid from Wuhan, China. What? 14-year-old blind kid? What am I going to teach a 14-year-old blind kid? How? how? It'll be literally, the blind going to be leading the blind. You know, this ain't good. I told God there was like 400 reasons why that wouldn't work. I told him, I said, what can I teach a 14-year-old blind child? He goes, nothing. I'm going to use him to teach you. But it wasn't just him. It was another little 7-year-old boy. All boy. Every bit of it. From the tip of his toes to the top of his head. Oh boy. But I had made plans. I had made plans and I told God, I said, God, I, we were fixing to be done. <laughs> Just wanted my wife. He goes, I know. Would you trade your future plans for a future I have for you? So one night, laying in bed, I stepped up to the sacrificial altar and I placed my future plans on it. And we went and adopted two needy children from China. And we Change. God changed my future plans. So long ago, as I raised my knife to, the sac to sacrifice my dreams of living on the ranch, when I raised a knife to sacrifice my dreams to God, He said, do not do that. Do not harm your dreams or sacrifice. A sacrifice has already been made. And as I raised the knife to sacrifice my identity of who I was, of everything that, that, that I prided myself in being, a Texas cowpuncher, I raised the knife to sacrifice my identity to God, and he said, do not. Do not harm your identity, for a sacrifice has already been made. And as I raised the knife to sacrifice my future plans to God, he said, do not harm your plans. A sacrifice has already been made. See, here's the deal. Listen close. God does not want your sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice. God's only son has already been made. No longer do you have to sacrifice your future or your dreams. No longer do you have to sacrifice who you are. No longer do you have to sacrifice your future plans. But there is an important lesson that we can learn from all of this because God doesn't want you, your sacrifice. 
He wants your total faith in him. He wants your total faith in him, not in your dreams. He wants to be first in your life. He wants to be number one. He doesn't want your dreams to die. He wants them to be bigger than they could have ever been without him. He doesn't want your dreams to die. He wants to grow them. He wants to mold them into something that you cannot do on your own. I would have never been able to accomplish anything that I've accomplished today if I had gone with my plans. I stepped up to that sacrificial altar and I said, God, I give you my only dreams right here. And he took my dreams and he magnified them. He took my dreams and, 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 and he molded them into something that I never could have dreamt had I not offered them up to him. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus himself says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. He's not trying to take anything away from you. He's trying to build you up. What's standing in the way? God doesn't want your sacrifice. He wants your total faith in him. When you put God before your identity, he doesn't want to change you. He wants to make you into something that you could never become on your own. God doesn't want you, doesn't want who you are to die. He wants to purify, exemplify, simplify, and solidify who you are because you could never become who you are meant to be on your own. You know that thing that's in your heart? You know that, 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 that kind of that picture of who you've always wanted to be? That's who God wants you. you, you like when you're, when you're a kid, you have all of these dreams, God put that dream there and it doesn't have anything to do with reputation and it doesn't have anything to do with money. It might have been clothed in a lot of this stuff, but he wants to fulfill our lives and the trick is, is that you cannot do it on your own. You will strive and you will strive and you will strive and you will strive, but you can't get there. You will never get there on your own until you walk up to that sacrificial altar and say everything that I think I am I give to you only then can God take you and make you into something that you could never become on your own there's going to be two types of people in this world those are going to be the people that strive and hunger and thirst for something more in their life and, and they'll, they'll spend millions, thousands of millions of dollars trying to buy it but it cannot be bought. You know, they'll, they'll look for it in, in, in sin. They'll look for it in sexual pleasures, in drink, in drugs, in parties, in, 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 in alternative lifestyles. They'll look for it everywhere but they won't be able to find it. Sure, there'll be some good days and some bad days, just like everybody else in the world, but there'll be that person that walks up and says, God, I give you everything. I give you who I am, and only then can God mold you into who you were meant to be. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18, Paul says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Jesus Christ. God spanned that distance between our sinful selves and a holy God with the only way that was made possible. We could never obey the law. We could never be good enough to get there on his own. So he sent his son to do it for us, 
to offer his son as not a living sacrifice, but the final sacrifice so that we could come to God and become more than we could ever be on our own. God doesn't want your sacrifice. He wants your total faith in him, not in your future plans. When you put God before what you want to do, he will take your mud pie plans and turn them into a fantastic future. God doesn't want your plans to be mundane. He wants to offer you something bigger, something better, and something greater than you could have ever planned for on your own. Did I ever, would I have ever even known how to pray? God, will you give me this group of people sitting here today and the group of people that are watching and the group of people that are listening, the group of people that are following, the group of people that that are, are reading, Did I ever think that God would take this many awesome cowboys and cowgirls and use all of you to teach me, to grow me? I I wouldn't have even known how to pray for that. But whenever you take your future plans and your dreams and you, you set them up on that sacrificial altar and you say, God, my life is yours. He's gonna give you things that you could never, ever, ever, ever get on your own. You don't even know how to play, pray for the plans that God has for you. All you can do is put all of your faith in him. That's it. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope and a hope. Don't we need that? Don't we need hope? Doesn't that word speak to your heart? Doesn't it resonate within you? In Genesis chapter 22, we conclude this sermon series in the life of Abraham with the most monumental and pivotal passage nearly in all the Bible. See, God has given a 90-year-old man a son, a barren wife, a son. He has told Abraham that he will make him the father of many nations. He told him, leave the land that you're comfortable in, and Abraham did, and then Abraham steps aside, and God blesses him. And then Abraham steps in the battle, and God blesses him. And now God says, go and sacrifice your one and only son, the son that you love, on the altar to me. And with a heavy heart, but a faith that's even heavier, Abraham takes his one and only son named Isaac, and he takes him up on a mountain, and he lays the wood down. Well, let's read. When they came to the place of which God had told him, And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood on it. And he bound Isaac, his son, stepped up and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, do not harm that boy. Because it's a foreshadow. God doesn't want your sacrifice. He's going to give the sacrifice for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but will have everlasting life here and there. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham responded, here I am, Lord. I'm here. I'm doing what you told me to do. I'm putting you first. I'm putting my faith in you. Nothing is going to stand between me and you except the bridge that will one day be your son, Jesus Christ. And the Lord said, do not lay a hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know 
that you fear God, and since you have not withheld even your son, your only son from me, then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, by my word, my everlasting word, I've never gone back on a promise, I can't make a promise that I can break, by my word, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now, all of that is really kind of difficult to know why God would do that. But he did it as an illustration, not of that we have to sacrifice, that God will make the sacrifice for us. If only we will put him first, we can reap all of the benefits, all of the joy, all of the blessings from it. Did you know that that very altar that Abraham built was on a mountain in Jerusalem? And a temple would be built on that mountain. And not just a temple on that mountain, that temple would have three parts. And the inner part would be called the Holy of Holies. That only the high priest could enter once a year. And you know what was in there? It was the Ark of the Covenant was in there with Moses' staff and some manna bread and something else. I don't remember. It's not a rod or something. I don't know. But you know what it was sitting over? That altar Abraham had built. That sacrificial altar where the high priest would offer a sacrifice. But one day Jesus came and he said, I'll tear all of this down. And the curtain that, that separated God from man, that separated the holy of holies from ordinary men was torn from the top to the bottom so that we could come into the presence of God because God doesn't want your sacrifice. He just wants you to put him first. But here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. I've been told, man, I love God, but I can't put him before my kids. Then you are hurting your children. Because when you put God first, God doesn't want you to sacrifice your children. He wants you to make you to be able to love them even more than you're capable of. He's not asking you to sacrifice your kids. The sacrifice has already been made. He said, make me most important so that I can teach you how to love. So I can make you a better parent than you are today. The sacrifice has been made. That doesn't mean that there are not some things that we need to take to God and Offer them up to Him because they have been first in our lives. And it's not tomorrow that we need to do this. It's not next week. It's not next year. It's not when you get a better job. It's not whenever, you know, you get married or, or you know, whatever, whatever excuse is. You know when you're supposed to do that? You're supposed to do it right now. Everybody bow their head and close their eyes. God's blessing is there waiting for you, but He's not going to hand it around something that stands between you and Him. What do you need to lay on that altar today? A dream, an identity, future plans, your reputation, maybe your pride, success, maybe it's a person. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your marriage or your wealth or your ranch or your health. Give it to Him and you will get great results. Let nothing stand in the way of God's blessing on your life. Today is the day that you can pass from a life of worry, fear, and stress into a world of blessing, multiplying, and abundance. And all you have to do is step up. God, here we are. I offer you today everything. 
And on behalf of all your cowboys that are hearing your message, I pray a blessing on their lives and service to you and you alone. Amen. Hey, cowboys and cowgirls. We're super excited to be giving away a chance at a brand new one-of-a-kind custom Save the Cowboy jacket. It's our way of saying thank you to all of our recurring gift givers. To enter, simply go to savethecowboy.com and click on Donate and set up a recurring gift of any amount. You can even enter by texting Save the Cowboy to 77977 and you can be set up in less than a minute. Remember, this is only for recurring gifts. You will receive one entry for every $10, so a gift of $50 will get you five chances and $100 will get you 10. Drawing will be held on March 1st, 2017. For Save the Cowboy, this is Kevin Weatherby. I'll see you next time.